Well, once again, thank you for joining us today for our Palm Sunday service. Whether this is your first time tuning into Shepherd's Gate or maybe you've been part of Shepherd's Gate for a long time, uh, we're just so glad that you're spending a few moments with us today. And our prayer is that today's service is a blessing to you. I know for, for many of us uh, that are watching, many of us that are, that are part of this, we, we have to be honest with what's going on inside of us and how we feel about the circumstances surrounding us today. I know many of you, this was going to be the week of spring break and you had trips planned. Some of you had cruises planned. Uh, you had, you know, what you thought were going to be uh, just opportunities to get away with family and friends and to decompress and to relax and to go have some fun. And now here we are. We've all been told that we have to stay at home. Uh, we've all been told that we kind of just got to, you know, reprioritize our lives and really just uh, kind of humble ourselves and, and sacrifice the things that we used to enjoy for the betterment of others. And I think we just need to acknowledge that today as we start Holy Week, as, as we start Palm Sunday, as, as I'm even here in this church and it's just me and our tech coordinator and, and just how kind of surreal that is to, to not be able to even worship with the church together in, in our facility and to be able to be shoulder to shoulder. It is, it, it's these feelings of frustration. And there's these feelings of just, you know, wanting things to be different and, and these thoughts of when is this actually going to end? And just this last week, as we were told that our kids aren't going back to school this school year, the kids are going to be homeschooled for, for the rest of the school year. And so now that's yet another new reality, week three of this whole saga that, that we've all been part of. And yet another thing has been communicated to us. And I get that. I get that that can be frustrating. And I think when you acknowledge that, I think it's okay that we admit those feelings. It's kind of interesting that we just happen to be entering the season as well as spring is amongst us and flowers are beginning to, to come up from the earth and our trees are beginning to bud. And I know for, for my family, this time has been pretty frustrating as well as my wife and kids were planning to go on a spring break trip to visit friends in Myrtle Beach and now that's not going to be possible. And uh, one of the things that, that we've tried to do at our house is to get our kids out as much as possible. In fact, we try to do a uh, recess at least three times a day uh, and just go on walks in the neighborhood to breathe in the fresh air, uh, to be reminded that God is the one who created this world and he created us, and uh, just to be able to experience what it is that he has. And I would just encourage you, if you're able to get out, to, to look at the signs of spring to look at the, at the new growth that God is allowing to take place, to be encouraged that, yes, this is a season and that God is going to see us through this season. And today, even as we begin Holy Week in a whole different way, it's kind of interesting. I have some news to share with you. We actually picked the, the sermon series title for this back in November. Think about that. And we said, wouldn't it be cool next year if we did our Holy Week series and we called it All Around. And so for Palm Sunday, we would look all around Jerusalem. And for Monday, Thursday, we would look around all around the table as Jesus celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples. And what if our focus for Good Friday was simply around the cross? And we looked at all the events that happened around the cross. And then as we gather for our Easter services, that we would look at all the things that took place around the tomb. 
And here we are, a few months later, and we find ourselves all around Metro Detroit. In fact, we find ourselves all around the world. We've been obsessed with everything that's all around us. And this title, this serious topic has kind of taken on a new form. It's kind of created a different meaning for us. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the account in Scripture. We're going to look at what it is that that Jesus uh, experienced his final week on this earth before his death and resurrection. And we're going to look at these series of events. We're going to look at everything that took place all around him. And I just know and I believe that these are going to be encouraging words for you today, even in the midst of everything that's going on around us. And so as you open your Bibles, and if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 21. It's kind of interesting. You actually uh, can go to all four accounts. There's four accounts of uh, Palm Sunday in the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all kind of give us a little bit different information. And so we're going to be looking at all four accounts today so we can kind of look all around the details of that day. And so in Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, it says this, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. And even in these first few verses, you can see who's in charge. You can see who's calling the shots. You can see how how Jesus is orchestrating the events of this day, even for himself. And we read just in the next verse, it says this, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus knew this prophecy that had been written 500 years before, and the, and the people during this time certainly knew this prophecy as well. And so Jesus certainly could have walked into Jerusalem that day, but part of his role and his responsibility was to make sure that he fulfilled all of the prophecies, and so we can see as he's orchestrating these events. You see, so often during this time period, when one ruler would visit another or one kingdom would visit another, a king would come riding in on a horse if his intention was to go to war with that king and that kingdom. But see, also during this time and for hundreds of years, they knew that if a king came riding on a donkey, that that meant that that kingdom and that kingdom that that represented went peace. And so Jesus did this not only to fulfill the prophecy, he did this to send a clear message to them that he wasn't coming to wage war against the current government, which was the Romans. He wasn't coming to overturn their government. He was coming to be the prince of peace, to do for the people what they couldn't do for themselves. In fact, he knew that he was on mission. He knew what he was going to do. And look at what it says next. It says this, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. It goes on to say, The crowds that went ahead of him 
And those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. All of these people, all of these people that had seen his miracles, all of these people that had heard about him and maybe had sat and received the blessings of his teachings. In fact, just a few uh, uh, um, days before Jesus had actually risen uh, Lazarus from the dead. And so this was kind of the final miracle that had taken place that, that, that this word had gotten out that, man, this really may be the Son of God. This really may be the Messiah of the world. And so they're saying these words, they're ascribing these words to him. Hosanna to the Son of David. Here is he who comes in the name of the Lord in the highest heaven. And how encouraging that must have been for Jesus to hear those words, to see the people, for them finally starting to grapple and finally starting to understand his purpose and his reason for being on this earth. It says this next, it says, when he entered Jerusalem, when he crossed over that threshold, the whole city was stirred. I mean, just picture this moment, right? The whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds actually answered this time. It wasn't Jesus that answered him. It was the crowds. All the people said, this is Jesus. They pointed to Jesus. And they said, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Remember that place that people said nothing good would ever come out of? This is the one that's been performing all these miracles. This is the one that's been meeting people's needs. This is the one that we have been telling you about over and over and over again. And so now you can see as Jesus capitalized on this opportunity during a festival when Jerusalem would have been swollen to to this huge amount of people. And here now even more people are hearing about who he is and what he can do for their lives. But it was interesting because not everybody was happy about this moment. There were some people that weren't too pleased that Jesus decided to come riding in on a donkey and basically declare himself a king, which is what he did. And they certainly weren't happy that all of the crowd had turned their attention to him instead of the festival that was at hand. In fact, in Luke's account, it says this, that some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, you need to rebuke your disciples. And look at what Jesus says back to them. I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Oh, this infuriated them. This was not what they wanted to hear. They wanted the attention to be on them. They wanted the attention to be on the temple and and, and the the moment of time that was taking place and the festivities that were going on. They didn't want him getting all of the attention. In fact, in John's gospel, it tells us this, that the Pharisees said to one another, this is getting us nowhere. Look at how the whole world has gone after him. And you can kind of just sense the hyperbole here, right? Even though they're in Jerusalem and and there's all these people that are gathered in that place, that they're convinced that everybody's kind of gone mad and everybody's just kind of become this big Jesus fan and they're not happy about it. In fact, Mark says it this way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law began to look for a way to kill him for they feared him. And the reason they feared him is because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. I want you to think about that for a moment. Their biggest fear of him was his ability to speak into the hearts and the lives of people. 
Their biggest fear was his ability to draw people to himself and to give them exactly what they needed in their moment of need. Jesus went straight into Jerusalem. Jesus went straight into his final week, knowing everything that was going on around him. He orchestrated all of these events that people would be drawn to him. He went straight toward danger. He went straight toward people that he knew hated and despised him. And yet he did it anyways. And not only did he go straight toward danger, not only did he go straight toward people that he knew wanted him dead, he did it with humility. And he did it with love. And he did it because of a greater purpose. He knew what God the Father was asking him to do. And he knew that this was part of his mission on earth, that ultimately this would lead to the cross. And as I was thinking about this this week, as I was thinking about all the things that have been changing in our society, it seems like almost daily, all the things that are going on around us, how are we responding to them? How are we handling the information that we've been receiving? Have we caved to fear? Are we starting to doubt whether God exists and if he's actually working on our behalf? Have we been obsessed more with gathering information and hitting refresh on our cell phones and our internet browsers and becoming obsessed with cable news and whatever the latest breaking news is instead of looking at the transformation that God can have in our hearts and our lives? I know there's been so many things that have gone out these last three weeks and so many, so many postings and things that say, you know, you got to put faith over fear. We got to put trust over our doubt. And those are certainly true. But can we just be honest today? We can have every intention to want to do that. We can have every intention to want to put our faith over our fears. We can have every intention to want to put our trust over our doubts. But yet we still struggle. We still have have these feelings of, God, are, are, are you sure that you're in control? Are, are you sure that you're at work? Do you actually love us? And if you love us, then why do these things keep happening? Why is it that the news now this week is that it's going to get worse for the next two weeks before it get better? And is our government just lying to us? Are, are the medical field people just lying to us? Is any of this actually true? Or God, are you going to see us through this? God, can we... Hold on to the truth of who you are. And God, just as you orchestrated the events so long ago, that God, you could still orchestrate the events of human history today and that you love us and that you're drawing us to yourself. You know, I think of the brave men and women that are working in our society today. I mean, what a picture of people walking into danger than doctors and nurses and first responders, many of them who have families, who are willing to walk into hospitals where they know this horrible, awful disease is taking place and is taking root in people's lives, that they're willing to put their own lives at risk, that they're willing to put their families' lives at risk to help possibly save complete strangers. If there's one thing in all this I think we've all learned is that we don't appreciate doctors and nurses and first responders as much as we should. 
I just have this feeling that from here on out, we're going to be celebrating first responders a whole lot more than we ever have in the past. And I just want to say to you today, if you're one of these first responders, if you're one of these people that is on the scene and you are the one that are, that are waking up each and every day and you are putting yourself in harm's way and that you are going straight into the heart of danger, know that we love you. Know that we respect you. Know that we are praying for you. And know that we are here for you. And we are going to do our part. We're going to listen to what you tell us to do. We're going to stay in our homes and we're going to stay safe. And we're going to try to do everything that we can to see this thing, hopefully, soon, not be part of our society anymore. But isn't it interesting that Jesus did the same thing for you and for me? That he willingly got on that donkey. That he willingly rode straight into the epicenter in that time, in that place, because he knew what it was going to lead to. He knew ultimately what was going to happen on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, which we're going to be talking about this week. He knew that it was going to lead to the upper room on Thursday as he instituted Holy Communion and as he washed the disciples' feet. He knew that that night he'd be, he would be betrayed and he'd end up in a garden and that he would allow people to take him prisoner. He knew that it would ultimately lead to him being beaten, severely beaten and flogged and mocked and spit on, really truly going through the exact opposite of what he went through on Palm Sunday that ultimately that he would be nailed to a cross and the sins of the world would come upon him. And he knew, he knew how that week was going to end. He knew that Sunday was coming. And he knew that by the power of God, he would raise from the dead and he would declare victory over sin and death for you and for me. And this week is one of the most important weeks for the church. All of the events surrounding Holy Week. And you and I today have the opportunity once again to go back and to look what has already been done for us. That no matter how chaotic and how crazy this world gets, Jesus has already done everything that you and I need. He has accomplished everything that he set out to accomplish and even though in our time here on earth, and we don't know all the specifics of all the things that are ahead for us, that everything that you and I need in Jesus Christ has been done for us. And that is the hope that we cling to. That is the hope that we look to. That is the person that we worship and we celebrate this week on Holy Week 2020. In fact, I want to read you some more scriptures this morning because I just believe these scriptures are going to be a comfort for you and for your family. So listen to these words from God to you today. It says this in Psalm 113, it says, The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? Zephaniah put it this way, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. Are any of you anxious out there? Are any of you struggling maybe with depression or loneliness? 
Maybe you're suffering with, a, with just your self-worth. Listen to me today. Listen to these words. God has the ability to quiet those thoughts in your mind. God has the ability to quiet those concerns of your heart by his love. Look at what he says next. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I love this passage. Just just get this image in your mind that as, as, as the devil puts these thoughts in your heads and as the concerns of the world begin to overwhelm you, realize that the Lord Almighty is shouting praises. He's shouting the truths of what you know to be true. He's shouting to you today through his word, listening to these words of comfort, of hope, and of peace that he is drawing you to himself and he is wrapping his arms around you to meet you in your moment of need, even right now. Listen to what he says in Psalm 34 to you. He says this, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 16, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. So listen to me today. You and I, as we enter Holy Week, we have the opportunity to rejoice. We have the opportunity to sing his praises. We have the opportunity, and maybe we just need to shout the praises. And I get it, you're watching this, and you're home alone, maybe on your television or your laptop or your cell phone. It seems so weird to be singing by yourself, but look at what, you just, look at what we just read. Jesus is singing with you. Or maybe you're with your spouse and you're like, man, it just seems really weird and my spouse is a terrible singer. Who cares? Shout it from the rooftops. Or maybe you're together and you're washing the dishes right now and your kids are going crazy in the house. Stop whatever you're doing and sing to God. Sing this final song, this closing song to him and watch what it is that he does in your heart and in your life. Watch as the peace begins to overtake the sorrow. Watch as the hope begins to overtake the doubts that you have. We can be rejoicing and we can be expectant because he has already done the victory for you and for me. He has already won. He's already done everything for us. And no matter what goes, around, what goes on around us, we know that he has already accomplished everything for you and for me. So today, today as we start Holy Week, today as we go on this journey this week, realize God loves you. God is calling you to himself. And God is never going to stop working in your heart, in your life. And so let's sing this last song together with boldness and confidence for who our God is. Let's sing this together.